Hey everyone, this is Joe Waters, and I want to welcome you to another episode of Cause Talk Radio. And of course, I have Megan Strand on the line. Hey, Megan. Hello. Now, what is this I hear? You just you're just back from like a, a three-day <laughs> canoeing trip or something like that. Kayak. Don't you just go, don't you just go someplace and relax? I did. That and was relaxing. Yeah, it's awesome. See, you got to venture outside of Boston, Joe, so you can you can experience the great outdoors. Yeah, I always think it's like, you know, you guys get so much rain out there that you're always in kayaks anyways, the way we drive on the <laughs> you, know, you always have to be there. So, hey, but you know what, Megan? I have someone on the line who never relaxes. Never, ever. <laughs> One of the smartest, brightest, and best cause marketers I know. Craig Biter, who is a marketing and communications expert. Hey, Craig, what's happening, buddy? Hey, everybody. Great to be here again. Thanks so much. Yeah, you probably... You, now, see... You know, Craig probably kayaked the whole Charles River here in Boston this morning. He probably and did. Probably, probably typed a, like a thousand word paper or something. He probably like did. That. His kayak. That's right, and, and, I, and I did it upside down. Upside down. That's right. <laughs> he can, so he could work he on his scuba dive. That's you know? it. Joe does do the great outdoors thing here in Boston. That's what Fenway Park is for. So that's that's, that's, that's right. how he experiences it. <laughs> it's like yeah, the great outdoors is like eating a hot dog. You know, like ah, nice to eat a hot dog here in Fenway Park. You know, so but hey, thanks for joining us, Craig. It's really nice to have you on the show. You've been on the show before, and it's nice to have you again. And I mean, you're the type of guy, Craig, that we could talk just about anything about. I mean, we could get into anything with you, but I think the thing that we really want to focus on is millennials because you had, was it a media post article recently that talked about it, millennials yeah. in the connection with cause? Yeah, it was an article on TSR wire actually that talked about the, the evolving landscape of millennials and how companies are and aren't using them as a critical resource uh -huh. as they execute against their corporate social responsibility strategies and, and outcomes. Right. So they're really not these irritating uh, 30-somethings, 20-somethings, and stuff like that, that we think that we really have to use these people? Well, you know, if, if you find them irritating, you're going to have to get used to it, because there, there are a lot of them. <laughs> it, it is the, uh, the largest cohort ever in American history. There are over 80 million millennials by some counts, and they control about a trillion dollars in purchasing power. So wow. uh, they're shaping, shaping not just the present, but really the future in terms of uh, the American consumer marketplace. So get used to him and make some friends with him, Joe. That's right. I'm going to, yeah. <laughs> the see, Joe hangs out at Starbucks. He's got plenty yeah, of millennial you know, friends. So I see them and stuff like that. But we're all Gen Xers on the phone, right? You know, uh, uh, older than 34. I mean, Megan likes to pretend that she's under 30, but she's not. <laughs> I'm not even close, Craig. You know what I mean? And But, you know, I keep on hearing, and I write about it myself, just how big millennials are, you know, um, how much they're connected to causes. And, you know, another thing, uh, Craig and Megan, I think is really interesting about millennials is just how influential they are. I don't think that we were as influential when we were under 30. Well, you know, the Gen X generation was trapped a bit, right, between the boomers yep. and the millennials. Mm. And so to some degree, there's a, there's a point there. You know, there was yep. a, there is just a size and the ability to shape and change and to drive an impact on culture. That, that, that you're probably right on some, on some big level. But, uh, mm -hmm. And I think that's really the, the incredible opportunity. How do you tap into that, that power, that force, that momentum that, that exists within a, within a generation? Well, you you in that article, Craig, talk about, and it, it, it's obvious when, when I when I thought about it and after you wrote it, but I don't think I would have come up with this on my own. You talk about how the millennials have sort of grown up with cause embedded into their everyday lives. Can you give a couple examples of, of what you mentioned in that article? 
Absolutely. And, and the idea that I really wanted to introduce in the article was the idea of CSR natives. I think we're all very mm. used to the notion of digital natives. So what, mm. people that have grown up in the digital world, always on, always connected, and, and they can think and, and articulate and, and engage with the world around them, both professionally and personally, in ways that are quite remarkable in terms of use of technology. Well, in the same way that CSR, that digital natives exist, in my view, there are CSR natives. These are young people that have grown up in, as you say, Megan, in a world in which the TSR cause social responsibility has been part of everything they've, they've done and how they've experienced their lives. So you go back in time a bit, you look at programs like Campbell's Labels for Education, started way back in 1973, one of the earlier programs, I think of Ben & Jerry's, Rainforest Crunch products that, had, that entered the marketplace. That was back in 1989. Energy Star ratings and appliances began in 92. Ronald McDonald House back in the 80s. Box Tops for Education in some ways might be the most impactful driver of where we mm. are today, if you yeah. think about it, uh, which had just generations of kids working on saving, you know, these box tops and these little labels and things for their schools. That started in 1996. And so I think people today look at Tom's Shoes, they look at Warby Parker, they look at these companies, and it's as if they just appeared out of nowhere. Uh, but there was there was a lot of foundational work that was done, and that really influenced these, uh, today's, this generation uh, mm-hmm. to, to think of the world in this way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And do you think too, Craig, that the uh, you know that type of world too has also kind of infected the other generations too? So we're not only looking at uh, millennials being focused on do-gooders and do-gooding, but also you know baby boomers, Gen X, even the silent generation; those folks focused on good as well. Absolutely, and, and I think you see this intergenerational stuff happening. You may experience it in your own household, you know, when you have young people that are putting pressure both in the home environment on recycling or on you know, changing energy use or, mm-hmm. or changing consumption patterns. That happens a lot. You know, where I just heard someone say that after about 30 years, they finally got their mom to recycle when they went home mm-hmm. from college right. recently. Yep. Uh, you know, entrenched patterns of behavior changing because of people driving influence across the generations. And, and I'd say that's definitely happening in the workforce. And you see pressure it's being put upwards through hierarchies, upwards through organizations from uh, junior employees. That that's definitely getting the attention. Uh, finally, I think of, of some of leading companies, and more companies need need to react in that way. So, mm-hmm. what, what's what's a traditional or a typical response to millennials? Let's let's say in a bigger corporate setting. I mean, what are the things that people are doing that are attempting to address this this millennial population that may be effective or that may be not so effective? It's a great question, Megan. And I think that the, the, how I like to think about it, there are, there are things that have been being done for a while. You know, there are 20 volunteer programs. There are volunteer hours. There are uh, annual days of service. These things are, are terrific and have served a purpose, call it. But the millennial mindset's different. Uh, a, a, an annual day of service is, is the, the exact opposite in some ways of what the millennial mindset expects when they expect it to be every day and mm-hmm. part of right. their job and part of their life. And so you have these, you know, they sound great, when you, but when you start to really peel away, you say, well, gosh, what about the other 364 days? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, and that's that's the mindset difference. And so I think that these things have been terrific. They've gotten a lot of uh, energy and people mobilized and have driven some some great participation. But when you step back and you say, well, gosh, what about the other days? And, you know, 
why are we counting hours? What, why aren't we counting outcomes? You know, if you had a plumber come to your house and he said, oh, I worked for six hours on this, you'd be like, well, did you fix the lease? You know, like, what did you do? Uh, and so com- companies have been talking about how many hours and not necessarily what's getting done. And so I think the millennial mindset again is like, well, what's happening? What's, the, what's yeah. happening as a result what's of the, and, What's the impact? Yeah. You know, Craig, I'd like to get your opinion on something, too. There was an interesting article in the New York Times on July 15th called Motivating Corporations to mm. Do Good. With you know, the author of the article was really talking, you know, he brought up some really, um, you know, basic things that we know and people that have been kind of against C- uh, CSR, like Milton Friedman and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, it was kind of interesting in terms of what they were saying, like, you know, how do we really motivate companies to do well and good? And, you know, it's kind of interesting, guys, though, because I was reading it and I was like, we have the biggest motivator for companies to do good right now in millennials because they are demanding it from companies. So, so, you know, while, you know, I think one generation and maybe this guy's from the baby boomers or something like that, he's kind of like tinkering to make it more of an incentive for businesses. It's kind of like they have the biggest incentive of the world right now. People will buy your stuff if you mm-hmm. if you support good causes. You know, so it seems Absolutely to right. me yeah. just like this natural continuation. But do you think that do you think the sector can still be tweaked? Uh, Craig, so that businesses can be motivated even more to give back. And of course, too, Craig, this particular author may be talking more about traditional corporate giving, which is on the slide, mm-hmm. um, instead yeah. of kind of like the, the bigger opportunities that we're talking about. Joe, you sound like you know a lot about this topic. I didn't hear on the show where you're like, you're going to leave yourself on <laughs> I've, I've only learned oh, what Lord, you told Craig. me. I've only learned what you told me. <laughs> no, you hit, a, you hit a lot of important ideas there. You know, first, that, it, that there is this incredible resource under under people's noses that's not being yeah. tapped and utilized. You know, if you think that there's data that shows that 7 out of 10 millennials view themselves as social activists, right, that they're that there is a mindset of change and disruption and, and desire for participation and change that's so real and so strong. And so uh, if you think about tweaking or optimizing at one end versus creating a, a, a source of innovation or a new business ideas or new ways to engage stakeholders and, and the opportunities that can come from that, that that really is a world apart. You know, we're not talking about tweaking. We're talking about disruptive business models. And, and you know, all it takes, I think, is for companies in sectors that have seen change happen, right? The people that are competing with Tom's Shoes, the people that are competing with Warby Parker, they're seeing, you know, these companies on fire, driving forward, growing exponentially by basically but through their commitment to values and social impact. And that is what, what companies that, that might be in a sweet mode or cautionary mode uh, really need to, to learn from it and absorb. So I think there is a lot of room still. And I think that Companies that don't get that you know, are going to get run over by companies that do and that are tapping into this incredibly emotional and yeah. passionate source of inspiration for young people. It See, strikes I think me, too. Though, Go ahead, Megan. I was just going to say, it strikes me, though, that most companies today, I'm sure there are exceptions, most bigger companies today, if they're not well integrated throughout when it comes to sustainability and CSR and cause and all of that, all, all of that there are good pockets of things happening throughout those companies, whether they have a really strong employee engagement program or whether they have a really strong cause program or whether it's sustainability. The biggest challenge to me seems to be integrating those pieces and getting it throughout the organization and permeating Mm -hmm. the organization. It almost comes down to a leadership and communication challenge. Craig, have you found that in your work with, I know you've worked with lots of different companies. Do you see that or am I completely out to lunch there? Nope, you're, you're dead on. You know, and I would add to your, to your point, it's 
communications, it's marketing, it's also human resources increasingly. And that's you know, a key piece of the, of the millennial challenge as well. Is right. that this is an HR question, that the companies that are figuring this out, that are doing it efficiently, are viewing their employees as an asset and, and understanding that it's about engaging hearts and minds of people. Because you can't drive it, you can't beat people to do this, right? You, you can have a corporate plan, you can have a corporate vision, but if middle management, if, if junior employees, if everyone broadly is not engaged in driving this mm-hmm. independently, you know, working within the swim lanes that the company has made commitments against, then it's not going to work. And so I think your, your point on integration is absolutely dead on. What does that mean? That means whoever is running the plan, whoever is thinking about the marketing plan for next year, whoever's planning the back-to-school promotions that are about, you know, mm-hmm. today are, are already hitting, uh, thinking about holidays, thinking about the tactical, you know, how does the company engage with its stakeholders, whether they're customers or other suppliers, and, and thinking about it at, at the heart of the business. You know, there are companies that have taken a lead on this. You know, Nike doesn't call it CSR no. 10 years ago or more, sustainable business innovation, right? So they're thinking mm-hmm. about integration into the company. Now, that's easier said than done, right? And right. I think you, again, hit, hit the nail on the head in terms of one of the significant challenges. Uh, you know, how do you integrate these things into who's driving it? Is it a standalone department or is it something that's part of, part of everything everyone does? Uh, in many ways, it's a similar question around innovation. Companies have had standalone innovation silos and then tried to get, hey, everyone's thinking about innovation. He also had standalone digital teams. And mm-hmm. well, wait, digital is part of everything we do. And That's I think right. we're on that evolution. Yeah, and I think there's always, and just in everything we talk about, too, there's that continuum of cause in that some people are going to start at the lower level and then work their way up. Others are going to, you know, permeate the whole process and get further than others with their, with their, with their efforts. Uh, you know, so I think it's, it's really kind of a stage development for a lot of companies, too. Uh, and some companies are going to take it further than others, just like digital. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think, you know, to, to merge your two comments, you know, I think, you know, maybe you said something about these pockets of innovation. I, I think it is a leadership moment for leaders of companies to recognize those pockets, to see that, uh, to recognize, you know, as you just said, that there is a continuum, that you, you yeah. don't necessarily need to go zero to 60 in a second. But it, it takes leadership. It takes true maturity to hand the reins to someone else. You know, I, I cited in the article an example of a, of a, of a leader of a organization, you'd recognize 25 years at the helm as a CEO, basically saying, uh, you know, the reason these young people are in this meeting is because they're the future of the company. And anytime mm-hmm. there's there's a material question or an issue that affects the future of where we're going, they're in the room. He said, I don't often understand what they say, and that's when I want you to really listen to them. Uh, yeah. you know, that, takes, that takes leadership. That takes maturity. How, that takes yeah. someone saying, hey, I'm, I'm in charge of this, but I'm not really in charge, and, and I'm, I'm inviting these voices in. Uh, and not every leader and not every company can do that, for sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the other piece about that, just to keep going on that thought for a second, is you know that, that there is an incredible thing that happens if people are in companies like that and recognized and spurred forward and given that latitude to contribute. But, boy, the reverse happens when they're not recognized and when they're, they're thwarted. Uh, and when they feel that there is not a path forward in terms of them being able to contribute and leverage yep. their understanding and drive mm-hmm. it forward. And so that's the war for talent. And that's where the, mm-hmm. the HR side of this comes in. The smart companies realize that this is what talent wants. This is what talent needs to get. Right. So that's mm-hmm. a critical piece of the story. You know, I have another question for you, Craig. So I, I have several friends that work in Silicon Valley and what they say is in that particular pocket you're expected to move companies every couple of years. Is that sort of the trend with millennials that 
really they can employers can expect to only have them for short periods of time as they're moving along or or have you seen examples with in larger companies that are doing a good job addressing millennials needs that are able to retain that talent for longer mm. yeah I, I think it's a terrific question you know there are companies like google and others that are that are really absorbed by this exact question i think there's no doubt that you know, that the, the, the land of the baby boomers in which you went and worked at IBM for life or you had a job or a career in which there was a stigma to leaving is completely mm-hmm. falling by the wayside, right? And so the expectation, if you ask young people, you know, how many how many jobs they expect to have in their life, it's a lot, right? And, right. and there is a much more fluid sense of, well, if I'm going to work and I'm going to get what I need and I'm going to move on or I'm going to keep finding new adventures. And, and I think that uh, that's particularly quite true in the tech industry. But what you're seeing is, you know, companies that realizing that and saying, you know, what's it take to keep my employees here? What does it take to keep them engaged? You know, what do they want to do? What are they looking to accomplish? And, and that, again, is one of those flips, right? You know, companies are, that are sitting around saying, uh, you know, here's what you're going to get and here's how the company proceeds in the, in the command and control lens versus saying, what do you need to be more successful? What's important to you? How do you want to contribute? What's your role? You know, and I've seen companies that are using things like young professionals organizations within their company and going mm. and knocking on their door and saying, hey, what are you guys talking about in, when you get together over drinks or in your meetings? And, and can we use you or can you contribute to our efforts around employee engagement or corporate social responsibility? So mm-hmm. it, it all does come down to that sense of how do you reach out and then, and then free people to do the things that they're capable of doing. Mm. You know, I think it's interesting, too, that as this field kind of develops and millennials get older, because your oldest millennial right now is in their his or her early 30s. And so, you know, these folks may be directing a department or something like that. And in some cases, they're running companies, uh, but most aren't at that kind of C-level yet. Um, How companies are going to be different when these millennials hit that uh, C-office? And, and Joe, I think, you know, I know a passion of yours is digital and social. Yep. You, you, you are deeply immersed in that world, but I think you're going to see that, that being an enabler. I think you're going to see this sense of values wired in, that CSR yep. native lens. You know, it's, it's like it's putting together the digital native and the CSR native mm-hmm. and saying, wow, they're going to be running the world. What's that world yep. going to look like? I, I think you're absolutely right. Smart companies are accelerating that. They're not waiting till then. They're saying, let's do this now. Hmm. No, I mean, us, just a, yeah. I was just going to say, as, as a final cap on this conversation, Craig, give us some, you give some tips in your article about how to really tap into that millennial population. So give us some tips or give us another example of companies that are doing this well or ways that they should consider tapping into their millennial population, assuming they're not a, a completely millennial run company like Tom's or Warby Parker. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I, you know, I think on a few of the top, the key things, you know, I think this notion, one, of giving up some ownership and control and, and enabling other voices and, you know, not, not throwing everything up in the air, but being very open to the idea that, that there is a very informed group of people and that, that, that the ability to run a company or to bring new ideas is not necessarily directly equated to how old you are, how long you've been sitting around in the company. So, that, that's a new paradigm, I think, for many organizations. I think also the idea of really trying to engage people and, and really not let them get off the hook. In some ways, you know, when you talk to millennials, you say, I'm a social activist. Uh, there are, you know, that's seven out of ten. When you talk to millennials about their desire to engage around social issues, 
they, you know, almost 80% say they would volunteer for a cause, for, you know, that, that they, they believe in. But when you see how many are actually volunteering, it's only about 40 or 45%. There's hmm. a gap. Uh, so I think they're, they're saying, okay, we know this is important to you. We're going to let you do it. We know this is important to you. Here's how you can participate. Right. Finding mm-hmm. you know, ways to get people involved, I think, can be an extremely powerful thing. I think they asked for an example. You know, one of my favorite examples, PricewaterhouseCoopers is a, you know, obviously a services company. You know, they are bringing some of this social engagement around issues down even to recruiting. And some of the recruiting exercises involve, you know, groups of people putting a bicycle together uh, that then gets contributed to a charity. And so you've got, mm. you know, hey, this is important. important to us as a company. It's about how we work together. And even, not even when you're in the company, but before you even get in the door, uh, mm-hmm. it's a way of saying, hey, this is a, a key part of who we are and what we're about. So yeah. that, that, well, you know what it is, too? I think, too, with millennials, it's about engaging them on their terms. And this is something I'm even trying to get nonprofits to think more about in the sense like stop thinking like you have to do a gala or a walk or a bike ride and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Like, mm-hmm. you know, don't think, have this mentality that if you create it, they will come because they won't. Um, you know, mm-hmm. you need to tap into what their interests are. What do they want to do? How do you want to how do they want to support their organization? And because of technology, this is easier and better than ever before. Absolutely. So micro-volunteering opportunities, uh, a semiconductor company I spoke with in the Dallas area, they have a length of volunteering time for the company. On average, it's about seven minutes. They serve up opportunities at your desk to get involved on helping uh, on coding projects, and that's how people wanted to be involved. They don't want to spend their Saturdays, you know, they want yeah. to spend Saturdays with their families. They want to, they yeah, want to get right. involved in so you, you go to where they are, you understand what their, their unique abilities are, and you create opportunities for them to get engaged. And what was time that would have been on Facebook or surfing the net, web, or whatever is now productively used. And, and what happened in that particular example is that productivity went up among those workers. It wasn't the reverse. It wasn't like they're wasting time doing stuff. They're more motivated, more productive. So get on. Go find people where they're at, what they're interested in doing, uh, engage them, and give them up many different ways to get involved. And, and that's when real employee loyalty and, and impact can really, really result. Mm. I'll tell you, M- Megan, like, Craig is like in, in love with millennials. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, he's just all open. Like, he's like a, such, a, such a millennial wannabe. You he know is know? not. So, you know, he's like, I'm a little at heart. I'm, I'm taking up skateboarding next, Joe. So, you know, it's, uh, it's like Benjamin Button. I'm trying to, like, inch and revert. Yeah, that's right. Uh, right. Yeah, yeah. Take current. up skateboarding and do a lot more selfies. You know, so. <laughs> going to do it. That's awesome. Well, as always, Craig, we enjoy having you on the show. You are always a fountain of information and energy. And Absolutely. I know people are going to want to follow you wherever you are. So, how might they do that? Terrific. Thanks. Well, people can follow me on Twitter. I handle it at Craig Ida on Twitter, and please uh, reach out that way. Or also on LinkedIn. Yeah, and you should definitely definitely connect with Craig on Google Plus because he's got a great picture <laughs> of him uh, a manhandling a turkey. Uh, so yeah, that, I'm, uh, I won't give any more details to our listeners so that they can go and see it for themselves. But uh, but you know, uh, uh, Craig likes the turkeys. He also he he. You should absolutely follow him on Twitter though, because he posts really really great stuff. Yeah, he does. Yeah. And Joe posts some okay stuff. So where can people yeah, find you right. on Twitter it's and okay elsewhere, stuff. Joe? Right. Exactly. Yes. Joe, Wonderful. where can people well, find people. you online? 
Oh, they can't find me at all online I at know. all. It's hard. Um, well, of course, they can find me on my blog, selfishgiving.com. Um, I actually just started uh, publishing my posts on LinkedIn. So you can go to my profile on uh, LinkedIn and find my posts there and connect with me and comment on posts. Uh, you can also find me on Twitter, Minute to Minute, at Joe Waters. And, of course, check out my uh, Pinterest boards on cause marketing on Pinterest.com, Joe Waters. What about you, Megan? Where can people find you? I'm also on Twitter at Megan Strand, and I tweet for the Cause Marketing Forum at TweetCMF and blog for the Cause Marketing Forum at Cause Update. And of course, you can find Cause Talk Radio on Stitcher Smart Radio as well as iTunes. So please do find us there and subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss an episode. And on behalf of Craig and Joe and myself, we'd like to thank you again for joining us for this episode of Cause Talk Radio. We'll see you next time. 